Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Do you fancy some bonus content with this episode? Then fear not. If you start to my Patreon today, by going on to www.patreon.com forward slash travel podcast, then you'll find these extra features every week for Monday and Friday's episode. One bonus episode every month, some ad-free content, some early access to episodes, the exclusive added travel must-have feature on every episode, patron shout-out, some ad hoc bonus episodes, you'll get a copy of my digital travel planner which is available on Etsy and you'll get my monthly Winging It Travel podcast magazine. If this takes your fancy, you can sign up for £4, $7.50 Canadian, $6 US a month and I really thank you for supporting the podcast. Hope you enjoy the podcast, thanks for listening and supporting this and I'll see you soon. Cheers James. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast and this week I'm joined by a travel podcaster travel tour guide and interpreter and wanderlust seeker, Elizabeth Tufex East. Elizabeth has travelled to over 100 countries and speaks six languages and hosts the travel podcast, The Most Memorable Journeys. In this podcast, she shares travel stories, past experiences and anecdotes from her trips and adventures. She also interviews guests for her podcast too, and we're going to talk about all that and where she is now. Elizabeth is currently living in Cyprus and originally from Switzerland. And Elizabeth, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. A little hot today, but I'm well. Yep, I concur with that because it's hot here as well for once. It's been an awful six months here. No no sun, constant rain. But finally, we've got some sun. We have like 340 days of sun a year. Wow. Well, which is, you see, that, that means that at least the sun shines once. It doesn't mean that it, it may rain for an hour. <laughs> Sun comes out on 340 days. That is incredible. No wonder so many Brits try and move there. Like British people yeah. love going there. We have a lot of we have big British. Uh, also, we have expats people working here, and then we have also retired people, especially in the area of Paphos. Yes, retired people. That's a that's a big one as well. And obviously the military, which we discussed before recording yeah. their base there as well. Whereabouts in Cyprus are you living? I am living in Nicos. In uh, <laughs> you confused. <laughs> <laughs> I would never want to live in Nicosia. <laughs> <laughs> Nicosia is the capital of the um, of the island, and you see the reason why I wouldn't want to live in Nicosia. Nothing wrong with Nicosia, but because Cyprus is an island, and I think living in an island on an island has a lot of disadvantages because you're you're if you want to leave, you have to either take a, a boat or a plane. Mm. So living on an island but not living on the sea is a big drawback. That's why I am living in Limassol, which is on the south coast, and I'm my house is like five minutes from the sea that's a dream yeah it's, it's the same question here actually vancouver's on the sea right so water's just over there yeah. but you know you gotta ask yourself a question canada's huge so do you want to live anywhere else it's pretty much gonna be inland unless you go all the way to the east coast um there's nothing else there's either vancouver on the west coast or there's like halifax and nova scotia and newfoundland on the east coast which are very small places yeah. so the big yeah. cities are inland they've got lakes but not quite the same Beautiful lakes, though. I love Canada. I've travelled in Canada a lot. I might ask some questions about that later. Yeah, and I also have a story. 
about I found out that I was pregnant in Canada with my first child. Oh, where were you for that? I was working. I had already moved to Cyprus. I was living with my husband to be. We weren't married yet. Yeah. And somehow we we decided to get married. We decided to have children. I was 35 years old. And and I suddenly realized, I thought, oh my God, if I have children, I will never be able to be a tour guide again. You know, I, I will <laughs> So I called my old company. I hadn't worked for two, three years. And I called my old company, Quoni, and said to them, listen, um, do you have a trip for me? I'd like to go on a trip. And because they knew me well, and I had been working for them for many years, they said, and they were they always needed more tour guides in the summer. You know, there were more trips in the summer than there were in the winter. And they said, yeah, yeah, where would you like to go? I said, I'd like to go to the U.S., somewhere to somewhere in the U.S., and then she looked and she said, I've got something out of Boston. It starts in Boston and it ends in Toronto. Would you like that? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me that. Put me on that. So I left Cyprus. I went to Switzerland. I got briefed at the head office and I went to flew to Boston with a tour group. Yeah. And um, we went through a, a beautiful tour through Acadia National Park into Quebec. Then, you know, the, the usual East East Canada tour. And we had um, before we came to Toronto, we stayed in the Algonquin Provincial Park. Oh, yeah. Nice. And just before in, in I think it was in Ottawa, I started feeling really weird and I really a little funny you know I thought yeah. maybe it's possible but I had a vague idea so I bought a pregnancy test and one morning in the Algonquin Provincial Park I found my daughter Natalie and that's oh. why I consider her a little bit Canadian oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a great story what a surprise <laughs> well maybe not not too much of a surprise but yeah, it was a bit. It wasn't really. It wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, we were. It wasn't like a surprise that I. But it, but it was. It happened very quickly. Mm. Know, so I wasn't expecting it yet, but it was okay. And then my husband joined me in Toronto actually because he he was he had studied in New York. We were traveling to New York afterwards. So I told him the news somewhere on the thirty fourth <laughs> floor of a Sheraton in downtown Toronto, and he was a bit shocked. But he got used to it. They get used to it, you know. Is your husband from Switzerland as well? No, my husband is from Cyprus. That's really why oh. I'm here. Oh, okay, got it. Makes yes, sense. I came to work. I was sent here um, as a as when I was quite young. The I had been working in Greece for two summers when I was mm. touring, and then at the end of my second summer in Greece, I had a debriefing in Athens, and I spoke to the resident manager, and she said to me, "You know, we're opening this new destination." Um, because that was in 1982 and 74 was the invasion. Many places had been closed. So yeah. she said, we're, we're opening Cyprus again and it's fun to open a new destination. Would you like to go? And I said, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought I had no idea where I was going. I thought Cyprus was a Greek, a Greek island and I didn't know that they were driving on the wrong side of the road. Oh, hang on. Oh, God, that might, that might be different for me. So what side the are they British, driving on? It's a British colony. And, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm okay, the- got it. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. The, the right side so of the road. <laughs> I arrived here, and I'm telling you, because I hadn't really had so much driving experience in those two summers in Greece, I had I had been driving a little moped. Yeah. and. And so I had to drive so far here. I lived in Limassol and I had to look after hotels in Ayanapa in Protaras, which was like at, in those years, there were no highways. Now it's an hour. It's a bit, bit more than an hour. Yeah. But um, I'm talking about 40 years ago. And mm. there were no, it took me two hours and I had 
this tiny little car without air conditioning. And I don't know how I did it, but we did, you know, the things that we look back at sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And we Ow. wonder, and, you know, we cannot imagine it now. And we, we were just fine. I think you just get on with it, don't you? You just, yeah. It's, it yeah. is what it is. Like, it's no different at, at the time. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Well, when we look back on our travels and when I look back on mine, yeah, you do wonder why did I do that? How did that happen? But you just get through it. Yeah. And it's quite interesting. There's so many stories like that. Yes, definitely. Well, the ones that put themselves in sort of situations where they're not like comfort zone, right? If you put yourself out there a little bit, you're going to get some stories out of that, I think. Well, you see, that's where all the fun happens, isn't it? Exactly. Fun happens outside of the comfort zone. And um, I mean, when I look up, when I look back, I was a very young girl. I have a story. I mean, I, I left. I'll tell you that story, even though mm. it's not really nothing to do. I was born to a 16 year old mother who, who was going to give me up for adoption. Oh, and, in Switzerland. Right. Yes. And my grandfather took me home and I grew up with my grandparents, which was lovely. But um, I was bullied at school. You know, I was didn't have any parents and I was this odd kid who and I hated it. I didn't want to stay there. It was a small village in, in the Swiss mountains, you know, very Catholic and very yeah. knew what everybody was doing. And I literally uh, starting from the age of 13, when I was 13, I started working. I worked in a ski lodge and I cleared tables and I worked in a hotel and cleaned bathrooms to earn money to learn languages because I knew that I wanted to leave. My, wow. my becoming a tour guide was like my my exit ticket out of this village. So um, <laughs> how it started and uh, and I did well. You know, I'm very proud of myself for doing that, for having this, for having because I was I was too young to work for a Swiss tour operator and I was determined to leave. So I found a job. You know, when you think of these things, I put an ad in a Swiss magazine. I was looking oh, wow. for a job in Greece and somebody replied and, and, and she said, <clears throat> I go there every year and we always look for people who speak languages. Come. And I did. It's amazing that you knew at that early age that you wanted to leave. At 13, you said you got a job. You're like, well, I need to yeah. get out. Like when, when I was 13, I was so sheltered and like playing my guitar and probably watching football. And that's pretty much about it. No thoughts yeah. of like even going outside of my little area that I lived in, neighborhood, right? It's crazy yeah. that you knew that early on. Well, I, you know, it wasn't really, I don't think I knew what I was doing. I just wanted to leave. And that was one way to go. You see, there was no EU. It wasn't like you could go and work somewhere. You could go. We needed a work permit wherever we went. So one way, there weren't, there weren't so many opportunities to go and work abroad. There were like, you could either become a flight attendant, which I didn't want because you don't really get to see much, mm. or a tour guide. And that was, that was my, that's what I did. Yep. And British citizens can't work now, right? Because we're out of the EU. So we need a visa everywhere we go. So that's changed. That wasn't a very good move, to be honest. No. I think. Terrible move. <laughs> this is not a political podcast. No, no, no. Let's not go there. <laughs> Yeah, Switzerland. Whereabouts in Switzerland did you grow up? In Lucerne, in near Lucerne. Oh, near Lucerne, yeah. Lucerne is one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's this little town with this wooden bridge. We have a lot of tourism surrounded by mountains. So it, it, Lucerne is definitely my one of my favourite places in the world. Switzerland is beautiful, though, isn't it, as a country to visit? I've never been, but you always see, let's say, social media. Because I know social media can be a little bit uh, hit and miss with reality. But you do see a lot of videos of Switzerland Alps or the Swiss little towns in the in the hills. It looks pretty idyllic. Yeah, no, no, Switzerland. Traveling through Switzerland is like traveling through a picture book. You yeah. know, there is it really is beautiful. And funny enough, because I left so early, um, I actually got to know Switzerland later in ah. my tour. 
years because I was accompanying, because we also had an incoming department. We were taking people around Switzerland who came from abroad. So I was yeah. doing tours, a couple of tours within Switzerland. And I, I was I was awed. I had seen a lot of the world. I only really started to know Switzerland after 10 years of having traveled abroad. Then got on. I, I remember I did one tour, one very funny tour, actually, which was the Miss Hong Kong contest. Oh. The Miss, they were, they were, I don't know if they still do that, but in those years, they took the 20 end contestants of the Miss Hong Kong contest to a country abroad and they were filming um, various episodes and then they showed those episodes in Hong Kong, TVB Hong Kong, and people were voting according, that's how they became, yeah. that's how they got elected. And one of those, I accompanied one of those tours in Switzerland with, with, there were 80 people, it was the 20 end contestants, it was 20 people doing hair and makeup, 20 <laughs> crew and 20 chaperones. So you have to imagine this, wow. 80 people from Hong Kong traveling through Switzerland was wild. wild. <laughs> That's quite a random uh, competition to be in. Yeah, and they, um, you know, like they needed, they needed all sorts of props. We were organizing all this today. Like they wanted, they wanted Dalmatian dogs in this town, and then they wanted Bernardines. You know, those mm. two dogs in yeah. in uh, in the mountains. So it was great fun. Yeah, random note here is that our favorite dog is the Bernese dog. Is that Swiss or? Swiss or German in the mountains, I think. They're, they're our favourite dogs, randomly. Also, you said you speak six languages. That's right, yes. What, what are those? English, obviously. I guess French, German. Yeah. I'm going to guess here. Maybe Italian. Yes, yes. Mm. My mother tongue is German, obviously. I was born in this German-speaking village yeah. in Switzerland. And um, if you want to work for a Swiss company, you have to speak French. And ideally, oh, okay. Italian. Because those are our national languages. Yeah. And and then, of course, English comes in. English, you have to speak English if you want to travel the world. That's a language that you need to. That That's one thing I knew that was French was compulsory at school. And then the next language that I started learning was English. Yeah. And then came Italian. And then I worked in Spain. I spent quite a bit, couple of seasons in Spain. So I learned yeah. Spanish. I, I had started learning Spanish young, but then I, I learned more. And then, of course, Greek, because Greek, this of is course. where I Yes. And I worked um, for 17 years as a freelance translator for the European Police, for the Cyprus Police Association and the European Police Association, which again gave me the opportunity to travel. That's what I want. I want somebody to finance my travel. <laughs> yeah, that's a dream, isn't it? That's all we ask for. <laughs> I tell you what, though, a very good point here. People listen, and for me as well, and I, I need to sort it out, is learning one other language opens so many doors, doesn't it? For jobs, yeah. for opportunity. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, like when I started working for that sec for that job as a European uh, uh, for the police, I used to go to these conferences and I was literally, I could speak to most people in those mm -hmm. conferences, you know, and, and it, and sometimes even if you don't know much, but just a few words, they just make you, they, they help you connect more with people, you know, like I've always made it a point when I was traveling anywhere I went, I always made it a point to know how to say thank you or please, or, you know, yes, even if you don't key. know the language, it's just making a little effort. I think people appreciate that. Yeah. And I think we did that last week in Spain. We, at the start of the week, we're like, right, we know a few words. We're going to really try to connect. And by the end of the week, we were like making almost not want to say jokes, but like funny, like little lines in Spanish because it kind of like makes them laugh. And we found it in Galicia in the northwest. Not many people spoke that much English, so you had to really actually try some Spanish. 
I have noticed generally that people in Spain don't speak much English, you know, because I, Portugal, the Portuguese speak English very well. Yes. But the Spanish is not really, of course, in the South, uh, where all the tourism is, they, they, they do. But yeah. uh, I used to go quite often to, um, to Bilbao. We had an office oh, yeah. in Bilbao for in a Basque. while. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody speaks English. Do they speak Basque? Is that a language? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had this... Um, they wanted to become independent at yeah. some point. They did so the separatist, uh, yep. long Etta? story. Is it Etta? Yes, Etta, yes, yeah. yeah, correct. Wow. There you go, back of their mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 The thing with Spain is they have so many regions and so many different languages. I mean, Spanish is obviously it's going to get you by, but yeah, when you go to like Barcelona and they're speaking Catalan or they're going to speak Basque in, in Bilbao, yeah, it's quite a, quite a challenge sometimes, but they'll speak Spanish to you, it's no problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Cyprus, Cyprus, how long? Crazy. So I have a stamp in my passport, which is from um, 1982. I came here the first time 40 years ago. And at the beginning, I used to just come for the summer season. I used to spend the summer here and then go to the tropics and uh, and come back. But I have been here since 1994, married. And we have two grown-up children. Our son is, has just finished studying in Switzerland and our daughter is working in Switzerland. So, yeah, a very, very long time. Cyprus is my home. I mean, I go yeah. to Switzerland. We have a place in Switzerland. We go a lot, but um, Cyprus is really my home now. How come your children moved there? Do they do they feel like they want to go and see where you're from? What was the um, thinking there? We always we always travelled back and forth. We always used to go two or three times a year, but um, they went to study. They yeah. went. Our daughter studied at the Lausanne Hotel School at the Ecole Hotelier de Lausanne, which is a very good hotel school. And our son studied uh, psychology in Zurich because oh, really? the, uni- the universities here are not. They're okay. They're they're getting better and better. But somehow yeah. it was just made sense for them to go and study in Switzerland. Is your son going to be a psychologist? Well, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> He was going to now that he finished his batch because you with a batch a bachelor is not good enough to be a psychologist. You have True. to have a master's. So at the moment he's not hundred percent sure if he wants to continue and do his master's in psychology or in something else. But you know um, they, they know what they want. They have to decide themselves. It's it's yeah. out of my. I don't get involved. Yeah, my sister's a psychologist, and it took her probably ten years: bachelor degree, master's, and a doctorate. Yes. And finally qualified. It's a lot of studying. Yes. So I'm not sure what he's going to do, but he's got a scholarship to go to China. Oh, okay. His minor was Chinese and he applied for a scholarship in a, in a Chinese university. But again, that's not sure now because of COVID. You never really know if you can go somewhere or not. Yeah, they're struggling, I think, still. Or they're still got lockdowns, I think, over there with COVID. Crazy. Yeah. Quarantine when you arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it feels like. Europe, for example, and, and here as well, you just get on with it. Like people just, it's not even yeah. a thing anymore. What well, is, but like, doesn't shut down anything down. Well, let's hope it stays like that because I keep hearing around in Greece, they seem to have a lot more cases again. And in Yeah, Switzerland. cases are going up. I really hope not. That we've all had enough, haven't we? I think so, yeah. Even though I caught, even though I caught it this week, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, was, that yeah. the first, was that the first time? Yeah, I, I've avoided it for two years. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half years. Yeah. Go back to UK, come back, and I got it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that's stuff about COVID. That's ruined a lot of things. Uh, Cyprus. I got a few questions about Cyprus. 
Now we know the obvious Ainapa, um, the capital Nicosia. Is there any hidden gems in Cyprus that are worth visiting that you might be want to put on record that maybe is um, not obvious? I think the hidden gems in Cyprus are, you know, I just, it's funny because uh, on this Tuesday, my my episodes go live on Tuesday. Mm. And this episode that's going live on Tuesday is with the Minister of Deputy Minister of Tourism. Oh, that'd be good to I check in. I guest and, and because he is a huge... Um, he wants to change many things. You know, he, he wants to get away from this idea that Cyprus is just beach and sun. Cyprus right. has a lot to offer than beach. Of course, we have, we are an island. Of course, we have yeah. beach. And, but there are so many beautiful villages and there are so many beautiful crafts that people can learn. Mm. Um, there are so many um, different, like we, we can do, we have a lot of vineyards. Um, Cyprus, there's beautiful, beautifully organized wine tours. Yeah. Or um, uh, you know pottery and and all all that stuff that you can do in 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 these Greek or, or Cypriot places. So my my hidden gems are the villages. I think when you are in Cyprus, um, you should rent. Tra- unfortunately, public transport is not well organized. So um, the best thing okay. to do is to rent a car and drive around. Is there some good walks as well, like around the island? I love, I, I, I go hiking. I actually, yeah. I go on my birthday hike every year because yeah. my birthday is on the worst day of the year. My birthday is on the 26th of December. Oh, so okay. nobody wants a party and nobody wants to give you a gift and nobody wants to drink. <laughs> nobody has had enough. So I've started going on a birthday hike, which is in this area of Cyprus, which is called, it's, it's a national park. It's called Akamas. Bath of Aphrodite, and then we hike up the hill, and then you can see the Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon is an area at the nice. end of uh, of the island, which is very, very beautiful. That's one of my favorite areas, this National Park of Akamas. There are sea caves, there is hiking, there is beautiful uh, snorkeling, there is, uh, I, I like kayaking as well. That's, you know, those part, those remote parts. Of course, mm. you know, the touristy places are fun and they're organized and they have nice restaurants and bars and, and whatever. But my um, my uh, hidden gems are villages. Okay. And question here for, as we said before, the recording is divided into Turkish and Greek. Can you just nip over to the Turkish side? Is that allowed? Yes, you can. Yeah. But I, I want to say something else now that I that I forgot this yeah. year, because Cyprus is famous for the fact that you can ski and swim within an hour. Right. And, you know, people talk about this and people advertise, advertise this, but nobody ever does it. And this year, for the first time, I actually did. I swam in oh. February. I went for a swim in the morning. I took my car and I went to the Trodos Mountains and I skied. Wow. Because we do have a couple of, we have three or four ski lifts. And, um, you know, it just still gives you the feeling of skiing. They're very short. You know, yeah. it's not for somebody who's, who's used to skiing. You get bored after half an hour, but um, <laughs> you can do it. Now, the, the occupied area, because um, it's a bit of a sore story, because, you know, the, the, there is the Republic of, Sir, of Cyprus where we live. Yeah. And then there is the north part, which is officially called the occupied area. It's not a country. It's not a recognized country. Uh-huh. Okay. But you can cross, yes, you can cross over and you can visit those places and they are very, very beautiful. I mean, Famagusta was the jewel of Cyprus before 74. That's where all the tourism happened. Right. And Tyrrhenia, also on the north coast, 
is a beautiful little Venetian port and, um, you know, this kind of a little bit like on a Greek island. It always reminds me of Chania in Crete, that, those beautiful little uh, villages. Very, very nice. Okay, because you always hear from the tourism part of Cyprus, but basically this bit where you live, right? We all know that yeah. area, but the, the northern part, no one really seems to know much about it or even talk about it. But yeah, I was keen to hear if you can just go over there and maybe check that yes, bit out as well. Can. Yeah. You can. Of course, during COVID, everything was more complicated because they had everybody had different rules. But yes, you can go over and you can visit. And, um, you know, I understand there is there is this... Um, <clears throat> Um, ethic, ethical thing that you know they've lost everything, and um, I don't think tourists bother with that much. You know, yeah. the tourist wants to visit a place. The tourist, and it's important for you know, as a tourist, it's important that you know the whole the history, but um, you also want to see. So it's totally fine. And I, I mean, the fa- my favorite part on the occupied side is the panhandle. I don't know if you know the panhandle. shape of Cyprus, but it has yep. this. It, you know, and, and that's, I mean, the beaches, there are some beaches there, they are out of this world. And there's nobody there. Wow. Okay. That is going to be written down, I think, for me. Yeah, because I'd love to go to Cyprus and check that bit out. Yeah. yeah. The Cyprus, in terms of its shape, randomly, is that on, that's on the flag, right? So. It is, yes. Is that, is that, yeah. one, of the, is that one of the very few countries or if maybe the I only one? Know. I don't know if there is another one. I don't think so. I think it's the only country that actually has the shape of its, its of the island on the flag. And then there is two uh, olive branches. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you're a bit of a flag geek like me, I think you probably would know that, that the shape of Cyprus. Yes. And then the Swiss flag is the only flag that is that is quadrant. It's not the ah. shape flag. No, the, uh, how do you say in English? They are all sides have the same length. Square. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Cyprus. Yep. Yeah, that's brilliant. Because I, I think I've not discussed Cyprus on this podcast. Is there anything else? Like, obviously, Ayanapa, Nicosia, the capital. Worth seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I live in Limassol. Um, yeah. Then there is another beautiful town, which is west of Limassol, which is called Paphos. Lots of, uh, lots of ancient excavation. The mosaic. Yeah. Paphos, the Saint Saint Paul's Pillar, the tombs of the kings, lots of lots of things to see. Okay, brilliant, awesome. And next, I want to go to your job as a travel guide because that that got you out of Switzerland and got you to travel. Um, so, who was that with? Who who did you work with? And where did you initially go in those early years? The first season, as I mentioned before, I was too young. No Swiss company would employ mm. me, so I went to work in Rhodos in Greece. And I worked for this Greek agency, and um, I don't know, they that was slavery. They paid oh. us like, I don't know, 300 euros a month or something. Right. Uh, but I wanted to go, you know, they <laughs> forced me to go there. But when I look back at the time, that was an amazing experience. And I think it was because we were working so much. I remember falling asleep in the disco in the evening because I was so tired. Mm. And, uh, you know, we had this, this first flight to Athens. We had to be at the airport at 5.30 in the morning. And then we had to do visit clients all day. And then in the evening, we had to or, or to accompany Rodos by night or, or the village party or something. And then we would drop off the people at midnight, you know, the people who were our guests, our tourists. And then, of course, we wouldn't go to sleep. We would go to the disco. We, I was 20 at the time. And then okay. I would fall asleep. I would fall, fall asleep in the disco and then the waiter usually told me, said to me, why don't you go home? <laughs> <laughs> How come you're too young at that point to work 
for a Switzerland tour parade because you're 20, right? Because they had a minimum age. Their, the minimum age was 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds, sounds a bit American with the drinking Yeah, agent. well, you know, that's another thing. Things have, things have changed. I always, I also had this desire at some point in my life to become a flight attendant. And right. um, I were, I applied for Swiss Air at the time it was Swiss Air. And they wouldn't, they weren't interested. And then I also applied for Lufthansa and I actually went to Frankfurt for an interview and they told me that I was overqualified. And I think today in this situation, I think I'm sure they would have, they would be happy to have me because they have this big, big problem without having enough staff. Maybe I should try again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, why not? Nice career change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Into later life, why not? Because um, this this age thing, like like minimum age twenty one, and then depending on the airline, there is a maximum age. But I I think they've given that up because they can't find staff. Yeah, it's really strange, isn't it? Before COVID, huge mm-hmm. competitions get these jobs. Like real hard to even get an interview and then go through the training process. I guess like I've had some uh, flight attendants come on the podcast actually, and they talk about the training and how hard it is. But now. It's time, right? Because they just need it. Like, there's no one working now. It's, it's, yeah. it's a weird time in general. Like, no one... It's almost like people have something switched in their mind. Oh, yeah, I was doing that job. And I didn't like it or wasn't paid that well. Why should I go back? And it's yeah. happening across many industries, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's, it's, and, and it affects especially the hospitality industry. It affects yes. airlines and it affects hotels because it's odd hours. And uh, the whole travel industry, the whole hospitality industry yes. is, is kind of is changing. It's it's and it's um, I also believe that um, it's has good sides. We we were traveling a little bit too much. I think people were, I think people are maybe becoming a little bit more conscientious travelers, uh, maybe staying a little longer, maybe um, I don't know, because people just went for a day or for two days somewhere with people not going back to work I think they're starting to realize that with the conditions that they had I think they're now in a bit of a position where you can maybe bargain a little bit more but like hey look the pay wasn't good enough and the hospitality section uh, sector sorry is suffering because even here even today I went to get my coffee this morning before we started and they got a sign saying we're closing early today because staff shortages right so even yeah. on the Sunday like they just can't get anyone to work in the evening because I guess it's sunny outside and then we'll go down to the beach. Like people are just starting to take a bit more ownership of their, maybe their life and their time, maybe, I think. Yeah, I think that this whole COVID situation shook up many, 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 you know, like many industries and and many things that people were talking about before that aren't possible. I, I like my friends in, in, in Switzerland here in Cyprus working is for is, is, is different. It's a different story again. But I know my friends in Switzerland who were fighting for a, for a home office day, you know, who had a yeah. job and yeah, yeah. maybe wanted to actually have one or two days a week where they could work from home and no, and it's not possible and can't be done and blah, blah. And then suddenly everybody worked from home and it was possible. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That has changed the world. And it's also changed with travel, right? Because you can, in theory, now go and stay in Mexico City for a month and still work. If you get an Airbnb, yes. you can have Wi-Fi, do your work, yes. and still check out a new place for a month. Don't Absolutely. need a work visa, go on a tourist visa, done. Yeah, 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 totally, totally agree. And I think you're right and- with the travel beforehand, it was getting out of control. Yeah, it was just, you know, I used to think like... Ugh, it's too much this is too much of course there is also all there's more and more people on the planet so um that adds up as well 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think maybe the it's a bit cliche. Maybe the planets had a bit of a uh, bit of time to recover from the. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, very interesting time that we are living in in general. I yeah. mean, also this whole situation in Ukraine and in yes. Ukraine, Russia and not really knowing what's going to happen. You know, it's kind of a threat. You never really know if somebody presses the wrong button or oh. somebody hits. It's it's crazy. And uh, it, when you think of those two years of COVID where we had a hard time, many people had a hard time. I didn't have a hard time. Living on an island like Cyprus is not difficult to go through a pandemic. But there were people who lived in small apartments and they had to homeschool yeah. their kids and they had to work from home and it was hell. And uh, <laughs> you know, after those two years, that the last thing that we need is a war. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's... It's awful. With your tour, with your tour guide job, yeah. Where did you go? Like, what was the what was the summer seasons? Where did you travel and, and work? So I, the first, as I said, the first season was in Rhodes, and then yeah. I I was employed by a Swiss tour operator, which was called Air Tour Swiss. They don't uh, exist anymore. And my first summer season there was in Skiathos in the north of Greece. Okay, which, which is about an hour's flight from Athens. It was a very very interesting summer because. Um, it was that kind of summer where everything happened to me. I was still very inexperienced, but I had they had a wasp plague and everybody who arrived was allergic to wasps. And there was only <laughs> one doctor on the island and that doctor was like 70 years old. And, you know, another thing that is important to mention here, James, we had no phones. We had no cell phones. Mm. When I was working in Skiathos, for example, I used to call home once a week and I yeah, had yeah. to to go to a kiosk and i used to dial me there were there weren't many <laughs> landlines from skiathos to the world and i used to spend an hour at least dialing my, my home number to get through to say hello on a sunday afternoon some people listen to this and be like what <laughs> yeah no, that, that was no, a thing no, back no, in the day yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you, i was i was i mean i started working with a telex most people don't even know anymore what a telex is a telex machine where you which was like to transmit something in writing and then after the telex the fax we had faxes and fax i was machines, yeah. that you can actually put in a paper on one side of the world and it comes out on the other side of the world that was all very fascinating and then things were just changing more and more and more and now everything that we do is in a phone you know, know. It's, it's in that screen camera. right yes so in those years after skiathos i went um i came to site Cyprus. That was my first summer in Cyprus in 1982. Mm -hmm. Then I did a winter season in in Lanzarote on the oh, Canary yeah. Islands. Yeah. Then I came back to Cyprus. Then I went to Tunisia. Oh, another very nice. very interesting winter because it was during the time when they had the. It was called a bread price revolution. The Tunisian government increased the bread, the, the price of bread, or doubled the price of bread at the beginning of the year. People were revolting. People were in the street. People got killed in Tunis. They had demonstrations, mm. and it was the first time in my life that I was <coughs> that I had curfew. We had to be home at six o'clock. Oh wow! Okay. State of emergency, and it was also my first five minutes of fame because it was a, a Swiss radio station called me to ask how we were and what was happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> what was happening in tunisia and i was on the radio for the first time maybe that was the beginning of me wanting to be on social media or, you know yeah. 
<laughs> and um, I love Tunisia. I had a great time. Very, very interesting. Very beautiful. Um, very also when you look like the north, the area of Bizert and and the forests and and there is people go hunting and then the in the south it's the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Now then I went back to Cyprus. Then I did my first, uh, and then I did a winter season in the Maldives. Oh wow! Okay. Yes, in, in nineteen eighty five. You have no idea what the Waldives were like then. There was mm, no idyllic. <laughs> there were no desalination plants. There were no seaplanes. It was also a lot smaller. There was only North and South Mali at all. That because now it goes much further. There yes. are they have, yeah. It was amazing. I mean, we were stuck on this island. There was nowhere to go in the evening. The highlight of the week was when we had an orchestra once in a while, once a week, the band came and entertained us. And the rest of the week, we were just sitting in the bar waiting for the time to go by. And I learned to dive. I started diving in the Maldives. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes, because I had to spend my time. My clients didn't need me. They were oh, either, yeah. On, yeah. They were either on honeymoon or they were diving. So um, I was just there. I had a had a friend come on the podcast. He lived there in Maldives for three years, I think, as a golf. He's golf professional, but golf tutor like. Yeah. And he said that this island would have this amazing golf resort, and he would pay. He'd be paid to be there. But like most of the guests, kind of know how to play golf. Yeah, <laughs> so he said like I was just sitting at the bar, sitting at the beach, like for three years. Unbelievable! Well, like yes, yeah. you know, it uh, somehow, of course. Today you have the internet and you have, you know, yes. you, you are connected to the world, but we had nothing. I know, had, yeah. There was one phone on the island. There was one phone in the office. And <laughs> when I got a call from my agent, our agent was in Mali and, we, and there was no telex on the island. So when I got a telex from my office in Switzerland, the agent would call me and I would be out snorkeling somewhere or sitting on the beach. So one of the boys from the office would come and call me. I would walk into the office, office dripping wet, get <laughs> my call. And then this agent would read me that telex that had come from Switzerland. And I didn't understand the word because he had such a strong accent. When he was <laughs> so I had to take a boat and go for an hour to pick up my telex. I tell you, I tell you what, I've I've had a similar experience actually in Fiji. This is in 2013, so this is like on the cusp of smartphones, but I didn't have one. But the island we went to in the Mamanukas was very small and family run, and it had no internet. Um, or if it did, it was very expensive, so we didn't bother. So it was yeah. literally the only people, the only thing you can do is speak to the people that are there with you. Mm-hmm. And the highlights of the day was he like come together at the dinner table for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But you can't go. You can you can explore the island and then wa- and go in the water and sit on the beach. But you can't do anything else. You can't go anywhere. Like it's an interesting dynamic. You're there with yourself. You got like sit there and probably go over over a few things yourself in your mind. And you can speak to your friend, play a bit of volleyball, and it's like really hot. But I felt so far removed from the world. Yeah, yeah, it was fascinating. And I had to go. We didn't get a work permit there. We just um, we, we were allowed to stay for three months. Yeah. And then I had to go on a visa trip. I had to just leave the country and come back in and get a new stamp. Yeah. And um, I hadn't worn any shoes for three months. <laughs> on the island, we Paradise. were going to the, the airport. We were wearing flip-flops. And I went to Singapore on my visa trip. And I couldn't put on my shoes at the beginning. <laughs> I, I my feet had literally, you know, enlarged. Grown, because- yeah. 
So it was, yeah, I'm telling you that was, and it's a long time ago. It was very, very um, un- underdeveloped. Yeah, I guess now it's a bit more developed. Yeah, and, and, but, you know, they accessible. have... It's very different. It's very different and much, uh, yeah, I mean, it was wild. It was interesting. We used to do excursions sometimes and go and sleep on an on a on not inhabited island and spend the oh, night yeah. there. Fun, great fun. And then after the Maldives, I came back to Cyprus and then I did a winter in New York. That was a lot of fun again, completely yeah. different. The snow. opposite of the Maldives, snow, freezing, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I lived in a hotel on 57th and 7th. So I was very near Broadway, very Ooh, near all the... Nice. Fantastic, yes. And then I came back to Cyprus again. And then I, start, then I started working for Quoni, which is a large tour operator. And I started doing round trips. Then I wasn't stationed anymore. I started accompanying tours, like traveling with the tour group. Like to, to different places in the world or in the yes, same country? Yes. or All yeah. over the world. I spent a lot of time in the US. Yeah. I worked... I worked out of Miami. I did quite a lot of Florida round trips. I worked out of New York. Um, there were some big tours. Like there, we had a tour called All America where we did Amer- the US, the whole of the US in three mm. weeks. And then out of LA, um, we had like all those best of the West, go West, whatever, you know, all the national parks and Vegas and um, beautiful as well. Very, very beautiful. I know yeah. the, the United States very, very well. I've, I've been to probably more places than most Americans have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, Asia, we, I worked in Thailand. Actually, I went back to Thailand for one winter season as a rep because somebody had had a nervous breakdown and I, was, I wasn't doing anything. So they sent me there <laughs> to sort things out. And then I, again, worked out of Bangkok for a while. We went to Cambodia and to Vietnam and to Laos. and um, Yeah, great area. And I did Australia, I did New Zealand. I have been to wow. South America. Yeah, I, I've literally done all the continents. So question about tour guide, right? To be a tour guide, what's the most important things that you need? Like, I, I guess, patience, I guess, knowledge maybe as well, and ability to connect with people. Like, what's the most important things, would you say? Yeah, well, um, you know, knowledge, sure. I mean, of course, you have to have knowledge, but I think um it, it's very important to like people because you do yeah. spend a lot of time with people and especially when you travel with the people afterwards when you are a rep and you go and see them an hour in the hotel or or two or three times a week that is you go home to your apartment and that's okay but when you are actually accompanying and you are literally with them apart from the time that you go to sleep you are with them all day yeah. you need a lot of patience and i think one of the reasons why I became a life coach was because I had all these people's experience. Mm. You know, when people travel with you and as you said before, they leave their comfort zone and they have time to think, they have time to, and they also, they want to unload. And you are this neutral person who knows nothing about their life. Yeah. So they so they trust you and they tell you all these stories and um, it's actually quite, it's very rewarding. You can help people a lot, you know, just by being, some people don't need help. They just want somebody to listen to. Yeah, them. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it's kind of a, quite a therapeutic experience. Sometimes just, you know, when you end up sitting to one of those clients who travel with you and you're very close and they tell you all these stories, it's, it's amazing. So back coming back to your question, what do you need? 
Um, of course, you need you also need to be a little bit ahead of the game. You you just have to be one one step ahead. Like the one you know, we weren't supposed to tell people that we had that we were going to a country the first time. So right. you had to pretend like that you've been there before. <laughs> you've been there before. And and when you at, and you know that you're as a traveler, you know that every airport in the world looks the same. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. You no, know, you know how to go. When you are an experienced traveler, you know where to find where the signs are. Yeah. And uh, I remember sometimes when I when I had a difficult tour group because there were times, you know, when something goes wrong at the beginning and you mm-hmm. lose them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. To and and, and uh, I remember telling maybe a hotel manager who was waiting when we were arriving, who was waiting there, at, I, I, like whispering in his ear. <laughs> Please pretend that you know me, you know, <laughs> that I've been here before, yeah. just to give the tour group this feeling of, you know, she's, 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 she's experienced, she's been here. So, um, and you do need, you need to be able to keep cool, you know, you, you, mm. you, because things happen when you are going around with 30 people, 40 people, anything can happen. People lose things, people yeah. um, get hurt, some people get sick. Yeah. And uh, and that's when it's becoming really difficult when you are changing place every two or three days, and then somebody has to go to a hospital, and then you have to leave them behind, or you have to find, mm. you know, or, or of course they usually have travel insurance, and you have other people organizing these things for you. But still, that's when things become more complicated. But you also, in a weird way, want those things to happen, right? So once at least, so you know what to do, right? I guess yeah, I once that happens once, you you sort of like oh, okay. So I think back to that time we done this, and that was that was the right thing or the wrong thing. Would it this way? Yeah, this yeah. I always used to think I like that's when you can show how good you really are when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. When everything is routine and oh, you know, it's it's it's. But um, when you when you have an unexpected situation, and that's when you you can show what you're made of. You know that you are calm and you relax and you take good decisions. And I always tell that to people today. You know when you are when you are in charge of a group of people, don't ask. You are the leader. You decide. Yeah, decide. If, yeah, yeah. If you start asking, like, should we go this way or this way? Then you have half the people who want to go this way, and the other half. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, you know, then they start they start disliking you because you're listening to the others. So you were in charge and you decide and that's it. You're a little it's you're a little dictator as a tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote. There, there is a quote. It's better to choose a decision whether it's right or wrong than no decision at all, right? So Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course then you yeah. you take full responsibility for this decision. That's another thing. You have to be able to take responsibility and say, okay, look, what I did was wrong let's move on oh yeah i think a lot of people are scared of of being wrong or doing the wrong thing yeah. but i'm i'm very much in the mindset that if, I, if i'm wrong i'll put my hands up like even, even on this podcast when i've my girlfriend like takes takes the mickey out of me sometimes because she says oh you said something that you've not seen before and i went well at the time if you just go yeah yeah i've seen that like they're not gonna, they're not gonna anything different are they? they they think you've seen that film or you've seen that documentary or you've been to that place but you know if someone yeah. calls me out on it i'm like yeah okay i, I was wrong but yeah, you got to own, own your wrongs, I think. Absolutely. And if there is anybody listening to this podcast who has never done anything before, I would like to anything wrong before in their <laughs> lives. Yeah, I've done plenty of things that are wrong, but let's not go into that. What about as a tour guide for many people maybe listening who want to be one? Where would you start to maybe find these like type of jobs? I know it's probably 
specific for each country, but there's obviously a lot of tour companies these days, right? Who do specific types of tours. I guess you've got to browse those companies and see what's available, right? Less and less, of course, because, you know, I always say that the tourist has grown up, you know, people organize their own trips. Yeah. Our, our advantage as Swiss was people not knowing English. That's why we had so many people traveling. Ah, Got it. But um, there are still organized tours. And I think um, especially elder, you know, older people who don't want to do all these things themselves. And I've got a friend in Switzerland who, who, who owns a travel agency. And she says that people who work all day on their laptop, who work all day on, and that's what everybody does in today's world. They don't want to sit in the evening and look at their laptop again and organize trips. And yeah. that's why they come to the travel agency and I want to have it all down done. The best thing to do is just go online, you know, and put, put in the browser, organize tours, you know, and then, and mm. then apply, ask. And of course, the thing experience, that's, you know, it's kind of a vicious cycle because people always want people with experience and nobody yeah. gives you the opportunity to have experience. <laughs> you know, you have to start somewhere. And um, But if you are an experienced traveler, surely, I, I think you can find companies that, um, that will employ you and that, you, that will uh, give you a job as a tour guide. It's an interesting point. Yeah, you're right. Because I had a tour guide come on, Matty Dias. He tours with Intrepid Travels. They're quite big. I asked him, I said, oh, if I was going to Intrepid tomorrow, I've got no experience of anything working in the tourist industry, no, nothing at all, about a few bits of volunteer work in India and stuff. Or I've got pretty extensive uh, CV of traveling, you know, been to loads of countries, done loads of stuff. You know, which one's more important? And he said, oh, go, going to different countries is way more important. He said, people will pull you on that. If you've got like a degree in travel and tourism and you've studied, but you never traveled, no chance. No, no, that's yeah. what I mean. You know, and you, when you, when you can tell stories from your travel and you yeah. have experienced things, that's, that's, and that's what people like as well, you know, because you are, of course, now everything has changed. I have never been a tour guide since the internet. I would find it hard to tell because you are the, you know, you tell stories, you tell them where you, where, where, what they see and where they are. And I can imagine in today's day and age, they're probably looking at their phone if that what if what you're telling is yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, of Good course point. it's also it's also a big advantage for a tour guide because we spent hours, I used to spend hours in my hotel room reconfirming hotels, reconfirming parks, reconfirming things. You could all do that during those many hours that you are sitting on a bus now. Yeah. And you can also even if you want to like give a bit of a speech or a bit of a a few facts about a place, that's possible as well. You can just like write them up, right? You can research. We had books. Yeah, I know. Yeah, what a nightmare! What carries books? Books and then prepare prepare the next day's route. You know, like what am I going to talk about tomorrow? And then you, of course, the best person to ask is the bus driver. The bus drivers had heard yes. it so many times from so many different tour guides and they were the best storytellers. Yeah. There's also a sort of a nostalgia <laughs> attached to like the way you did it before, isn't it? Like you think back, oh, I'd love to be like just not connected to the to the internet and just like find out something in two minutes. Like I, there's something quite nice about that, traveling yeah. in the old times. Oh, yes. Yes. And nobody can check. <laughs> not check or even <laughs> no any different, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's, it is, of course, I mean, that's what I always say in my lifetime, how much technology has changed, how much 
it has changed us mm. and having access to all this knowledge. And I, I also believe that sometimes we know too much, you know, something happens somewhere yeah. and everybody, the whole world knows it uh, five minutes later. And that is also not necessary. We don't need to know everything. Yeah, I guess an example of that would be like this week when the US court overturned the um, abortion stuff, right? Imagine you're on a tour in the old days, no internet, and you've got Americans on your tour. They won't know until they get back to US like 10 days later and it won't ruin their trip. But today, instantly like, oh, yeah. that could ruin their mood. It could make a big difference to your tour. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and this is the thing in life. Every Everything has two sides. Everything. Yeah. Everything you mm. look at has advantages and disadvantages. And I think um, it is our, it is always our choice. I mean, that's a general, you know, as a motivational speaker today and as a life coach, I have learned that it's up to you how you want to react to any situation because you can never choose what happens to you. Things happen to all of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's entirely up to you what you want to do with it, with what happens. Yeah, I think that comes to the point where don't put too much faith in other people for you. I think you've got to do your own thing and make sure you're okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people and, just, just rely on, I don't get too political, like politicians or yeah. or people that don't even know you. Don't worry about them. Right? Just yeah. just do yourself and look after you, you and your friends and your family. Totally. And you cannot change anybody but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You, know, you always hope, you know, sometimes they're in a relationship and... They hope that when they marry this man, he's going to change. And when he's going to change, it's not going to happen. You have to change. You know, yes. if you, what is it? It's Dr. Wayne Dyer. He says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. And with travel, for example, if someone tells you, oh, don't go there. Um, I'm, I, even I might have been guilty of this. Like, oh, no, don't bother with that. I mean, you can take that as advice or you can ignore it and go there yourself and make your own decision. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody reacts to a place differently. Something that I may love and think, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Somebody else may not like. And that's why I'm not really that keen on giving advice to people because or even restaurants, because it's so personal, you know. Mm. What I like, it's it's a matter of taste and a matter of mood sometimes. What what state of mind that you are in when you go to a certain place has a yeah. lot to do with it as well, if you like it or not. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. Let's move into now. So what, what are you doing now? Obviously, tour guide's finished. So what has been your roles since then? After I um, after I was a tour guide, after I found out that I was pregnant in Canada, <laughs> yeah. I came back to Cyprus and I brought up two kids. I had two kids. Yeah. They are grown up. As I said before, I worked for as an interpreter for the police for 17 years. I actually received an award from the Greek police last about a month ago. Because oh, they, nice. Yes, because they appreciated my work. <laughs> and then at some point I had this feeling that I, I had written a book. I, I, I'm a published author. My book is called The Soul Kit. First Aid for the Soul. Okay. Um, because during those years when I was training to become a life coach, the reason why I was training to become a life coach was because I had all these people's experience. Like I was saying before, people have had trusted me and I needed tools. I wanted to have tools. I became an NLP practitioner and a hypnotherapist because, you know, it's one thing to be able to listen to people, but you also, if you want to work with people and if you want to get money to work with people, you have to be, you have to be certified. You have to be. Yes. Um, yeah. 
have to be educated because it's very, very easy to call yourself a life, a life coach in today's world. Mm. And um, so that's what I did. And that's what I do. And then I also um, was looking for a place to do more public speaking because I felt like I had something to say. I wanted to share my my positivity and my, mm. you know, I wanted to tell my story as well about being an unwanted child. And I wanted to tell people that if, no matter how you start, it's up to you what you make uh, of it, because I find I, I live a beautiful life. I have a very beautiful life and I feel that I created most of it myself. And mm. it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you have to have right. patience. You have to keep going. And sometimes something hits you again and then you it, it just come, it, it's just a, a, a little bump in the road and you just move on. And uh, so that's what I really wanted. And that's what I'm doing today. And I am also the director of the Global Woman Club Cyprus and the Global Woman Club New York. And that's a women empowerment platform where women and entrepreneurs and business women get together and network. We have 25 clubs all over the world. Oh, wow. What, what's the yeah. premise of, of that organization? It's about empowering women. Oh, okay. And it's about uh, like our, one of our mottos is if you want to empower a woman, give her a microphone. <laughs> Absolutely. Teach yeah. public speaking because public speaking gives you a lot of confidence, makes you feel uh, more, it makes you feel better about yourself. We empower women locally and connect them globally. That's more or less the bottom line. Yeah, I think a lot of my listeners might be noticing recently. I've had a lot of women on my podcast, and it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this, and that's why I'm trying to get like that sort of type of podcast out there wonderful wonderful so yeah that's what I do and apart from that I'm having a lot of fun because I live on my <laughs> island in the sun I call it and I like to stand up paddle and I like the beach and I go canoeing and I go hiking and I you know I'm not that young anymore so I'm enjoying my life lovely and for I've got a random question for languages I'm very I'm one of those people that thinks every day oh I love to learn language but I just don't do it Apart from Spanish a little bit, because I had to in South America and also in Spain. But what is the most important thing to learn language? Do you have to go to the country that you want to learn? Like if you want to learn Spanish, should you go and live in Spain for a bit to learn? Or is there a certain technique that is is successful? I don't think that there is a technique, but I think um, it's spending time with somebody who doesn't speak anything else. Right. Because you have to, you see the thing about about English speaking people, whether it's people from the UK or everybody who speaks English, the reason why they don't speak many foreign languages or less foreign languages is because the world speaks to them in English. Okay. It's not my, it's, it's usually, you know, it's not your fault that you don't speak them. It's my fault because I'm, I'm speaking English to you. <laughs> well. So um, I think the best way, I, I learned Greek. Here in Cyprus, Cyprus is a British colony. Everybody here speaks English. Mm. But I had learned Greek in Greece on the island of Skiathos where nobody spoke English. I had to do my shopping list. In, the, in those years, you went to the, to the uh, supermarket and it wasn't a supermarket where you could go and take things. You had to tell over the counter what you wanted. And I used to write my shopping list with a hotel receptionist. And that's how I learned those words. It's an alphabet as well, isn't it? Greek? Yes. Yeah, I think more difficult, right? Yes, yes. Mm. It, it, okay, I, to be honest, even though my Greek is very, very good and I work as an interpreter, but I don't write well. I never learned how to write the Greek right. very well, but that's another story. But yeah, I mean, my the best, because if you go to, let's say you go to Spain, but you go to a tourist area in Spain where everybody speaks English again, you might just 
no point. It really is spending time with somebody who, um, yeah, who doesn't speak anything else, where you have to. Yeah, I agree. And that's when last week in Spain, when we're like in the restaurants and they, you know, even the servers or the owners don't speak English. So we yeah. had to like come up with a, a few sentences and it's quite good fun, actually. Maybe some people won't enjoy that, but I, I thoroughly enjoy just putting myself out of the comfort zone and trying to get what I'm trying to say across. It's quite addictive, isn't it? Because when you, when you come up with a sentence and you say it and they understand, it's like, oh, they understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. You start feeling good about it and you want yeah. to do more. I think that, you know, if you want to understand each other in this world, you can always find a way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I want to touch a little bit on personal travel. Um, so maybe like place that you've been to that's not involved with work. Where have you been that's kind of like not tour guiding, not interpreting or to do with work? Where have you been that's kind of like on your personal favorites? I had a great trip a few years ago. One of my friends celebrated her 50th birthday in South Africa. Oh, yeah. And we were six women. Five of them came from Switzerland and I traveled there from Cyprus and we got together and we were just eating, drinking, traveling and talking for a week. And we were so noisy sometimes. They're in two or three restaurants. They told us to keep it down because we were just fun. I did a tour. I had been to, but I have a COVID story. Oh, yeah. My my daughter was traveling in South America at the beginning of 2020. Mm. She was doing a work away, you know, this work away when you go and you travel. And we, she was in Brazil and then she went to Uruguay. And we were meeting in Buenos Aires in March. I flew to Buenos Aires on the 11th of March, which was actually the day that the World Health Organization (laughs) declared this. (laughs) But I was so stubborn and I had had been so much looking forward to this trip and I wanted to see my daughter and I wanted to go to South America. Mm. And I did. And I arrived, I left Cyprus on the 15th. I arrived on the 16th of March. And on the 17th, we went on a walking tour in La Boca and were told that whoever hasn't hasn't been at least for two weeks in the country is not allowed to participate in this walking tour, whoever comes from Europe, and Mm. that the the country will close down on the 19th of March. So I had to get out. Wow. I had to find, I spent, I don't know how many hours, with the help of friends and whatever, I managed to get a flight out via Sao Paulo to Switzerland, but only to Switzerland, because during my trip on my way back to Switzerland, I found out that I also couldn't enter Cyprus anymore. Cyprus had imposed a two weeks quarantine for everybody who arrived. Right. I stayed in Switzerland for a few days and then I thought, who knows how long this is going to take? You know, I thought I I just have to go. So I traveled to Cyprus and I arrived at the airport and everybody had been telling me they're going to send you to the mountains and it's cold, <laughs> send you to some horrible hotel. And it, you... anyway, I ended up going to this beautiful Aldiana resort, which is a German club directly on the beach. I had a room with a view and, and um, spent two beautiful weeks, probably two of the best weeks of my life because nobody bothered me for two yeah. weeks. <laughs> so uh, yes I wanted to uh, and that was my intention I wanted to go to Buenos Aires and then we wanted to travel to Mendoza and drive around yeah. vineyards and yeah and I somehow I feel like the, I want to go back I want to do that I didn't do it but that's one thing on my list to do um, another thing that I want to do that I haven't done 
is is um, Costa Rica. That's something. That, oh yeah, uh, that's on. And very high on the list. That is. Yeah, I'm not been. Of course. Now at this point, we do travel back and forth to Switzerland quite a lot. Yeah. I went ah a very very beautiful trip that I did last September or last October. I went to Jordan. I had never been to Jordan before. Yeah, Jordan's on a lot of people's radars this year. I think. I think a lot of people are going. And, there. Um, you know, it's a forty minutes flight from here. I know you're just like, over the water, right? Really, yeah. really near. And uh, a couple of friends of mine. We went to. We started in Petra. We did Petra yeah. first, and then we drove to Wadi Rum. We stayed in the desert for the night in one of those hots. You know, those little. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. And yeah. then we spent a night on the Dead Sea. Yeah. And it's absolute. I fell in love with Jordan. Absolutely beautiful. Is that a cheap beautiful. flight? Is that a cheap flight across? Cheap. Yeah. 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 Euros. Oh. Um, wow. Very, very beautiful people. Of course, I love the food because this area where I am, it's it's all the same. You know, it's it's Lebanon, Syria, um, yeah. Jordan, it's it's Turkey. If there wasn't any, if there was no politics and no religion, we would all it would all be the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That gets in the way, isn't it? Yeah, Jordan looks incredible, and I think it's yeah. massively on our hit list. And I think a lot of people have gone there this year. And it, it, I'm yeah. hoping we're not too late, but yeah, it looks great. Oh no, you're not too late. Anything in the pipeline come up? Sort of next six months? Um, no, I'll go into Switzerland in 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 a month just yeah. to spend, go and visit friends. I just found out yesterday that we are opening a global woman club in Dubai. I did okay. all my. I did all my coaching training in Dubai and I haven't been since 2015. So I'm looking forward to going back to Dubai because that gets bigger and bigger. Every time you go there, there's more. Never been. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I want to go. We have a club. I've become very friendly with the women of the Global Woman Club Manila. I want to go to the Philippines. That's another place that I want to visit. Yeah, never been. That's the only place I've not been to in Southeast Asia. So I yeah. need to sort yeah. that out big time. You know, I'm dreaming like we're all dreaming. I'm dreaming of finding a good podcast sponsor so I could more or less uh, live off that and go and visit people and interview them <laughs> abroad. But who knows? Maybe somebody is listening to both both of us today and, uh, you know, will invest in us. Well, it's, it's funny to say that because my, my podcast is going to go a different direction when we do, do a spot of traveling. So there will always be guests on my podcast, but... My idea is I want to take this podcast on the road and interview local people mm-hmm. and find out, you know, what is the real thing to see here? I think that's got a bit of traction to it. I think people, in theory, I would think sponsors would love that. Um, every week it's like, ah, oh, where, where are you, James? Oh, well, I'm here and I've got this guest today and we're talking about this place. I think there's a bit of a, a need for that, I think. That sounds wonderful. I'll yeah. t- tell, tell you a great example. Last week, even when I was podcasting day to day for my Camino walk in Spain in Galicia like so many people tuned in like way more than tunes in normally to my podcast every week right so I had like a 300% increase in plays because I think people are interested like where are you it's eight minutes eight ten minutes podcast episode not too long but they get to know what I'm doing what the Mm -hmm. story is and what's next and I think there's a bit of traction there amazing yeah there is so much to see and so much to do. And the world is such a beautiful place. I also believe that the more we travel, the more we understand that we are all the same. The more we travel, yes. the more we can come closer. Because all these problems in the world, racism, whatever else, it's all connected to fear. It's fear yeah, of the fear. unknown, not knowing yeah. what 
if you start pe- talking to people, I had an experience in Jordan. I was too lazy. I was too tired to walk up this, this very high place to go to. So I told my friends to go ahead and I just sat down there on a stone. And there was this woman a little bit further up who had a little kiosk. And we started, to, she said, come on, lady, let's ha- come, come and have a tea. And I thought, first I thought, oh, she's going to want to sell me things. And then I thought, <laughs> no, I'm going to go and I'm going to. And we sat together and we had this tea and we shared. She showed me her recipes and we looked at each other's children. And then she showed me um, her Airbnb that she has in Petra. And you just understand that you are two women, two mothers who have children they worry about and, and who cook. And, you know, we are the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My friends are interesting because they on the Spain trip they asked me about, you know, the whole like EU and the Brexit thing, and I said to them like, it's hard to get across that my thinking is we're, we're all the same. Like countries are just borders that we don't really need. It sounds a bit um, dreamy, really, but I just think we're all roughly the same. There's going to be some idiots, I know, but yeah. I don't, I don't see myself as like staunch like nationalist. Like no, no, like. You, you here are the same as me, right? You're in Cyprus, you're Swiss, I'm British, but like, does it mean anything? Nah. No. And I mean, look, we've been talking now for, I don't know, an hour and a half and we, there's, it doesn't matter where you come from. You yeah. know what really matters to me? To, what matters to me is whether somebody is nice or not. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is, I don't care where somebody comes from, as long as they are nice to me, polite to me, and they respect me. I really don't mind what color they are. And this is the beauty about little children, little children. No child is born a racist. Exactly. Yeah. A child yeah. Ever says, I'm not going to play with this kid because it's another color. Yeah. It's because they get conditioned later on and they, what they hear at home. And that's where it starts. Exactly. Yeah. Even all the worst people in the world ever, dictators and stuff, they didn't start like that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, if you're listening and you want to sponsor this podcast or Elizabeth's podcast, you're more than welcome to send a send a message. <laughs> we had to place that here as well. Yes, yeah. And talk about podcasts. Let's talk about your podcast, the most memorable my, journeys. My podcast started because in 2019 I was still working for the police, and I was also working doing other stuff, and I was traveling for my speaking and everything. And I actually left Cyprus 23 times. That's a lot of trips. Yeah. And then COVID came and I felt like I was missing a limb. I was I was so, um, you know, so difficult. Then I thought this is a good opportunity to start writing another book, you know, writing about my traveling, about everything that I've done. And then I thought, I, I actually, there is no coincidence in life, uh, but I came across a podcasting course given by Rob Moore, and, and I thought, this is what I want to do. I don't want to write. I want to speak. Yes. So how I started my, because I like to speak. So I, <laughs> I like to speak. So that's how I started. And I am into um, episode 70 is going live tomorrow. I started at the beginning. I did mostly episodes on my own, talking about all the destinations where I had worked and um, round trips and countries and different. Then I started mm. having guests. My best episode the most download is the episode where I interviewed my children because oh, we wow. traveled a lot together I traveled a lot with my kids when they were small my husband doesn't like to travel much so I went yeah. off with my kids alone and then I start I had some really really great guests I had Kira Chaplin Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter I had oh wow yeah Faria Alamuddin who is George Clooney's mother-in-law because she's a journalist from Lebanon yeah 
lots and lots of different uh, podcast guests from all over the world and more or less all walks of life, but mostly talking about their their travel and I want to have a double meaning you know most memorable journeys as in journeys in travel but also journeys in life yes okay. and that's what it's about it's it's talking not nothing political nothing uh, too deep it's just nice conversations with people about what they've done and where they've been and how they have traveled in their life yeah very similar to mine actually yeah I think that's the premise I go for I want to hear what what you got to say about your story whether mm-hmm. that's travel or life I'm very, I'm very like keen to hear people's different journeys. It's quite, yeah. uh, quite inspiring, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all have a story. Everybody we, has a story. We do. Yeah, yeah. And it's for me, it's almost like an open book. Like for anyone who wants to come on and talk about their story and travel, they're more than welcome. It's never yeah. a no. Yeah. And where can we find your podcast? I guess it's on all the popular. I've got your. I follow you on Spotify. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Yeah. My social media is all in my name, Elizabeth with an S. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably my name will be in the show notes if anybody wants to. I, I have all links to show notes. Yeah. Social yeah. media. Yeah. I do, um, I do uh, hypnotherapy. I do coaching. I do all sorts of stuff. I sell my books. And um, yeah, or come visit me in Cyprus. If you are in on the Cyprus, list, you, you are on the list. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and let me know and uh, I'll cook lunch for you in my garden. That is fantastic. And that's one thing with this podcast, right? You might find the same thing where you've now got connections all around the world, right? So in theory, yes. if you had traveled yes. somewhere, they yes. would come meet you for, for dinner, right? That's quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. In the show notes, I'll put links to your podcast and your social media so people can find you and access you. And I'll also put links to your book as well so people can access that. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm going to finish with um, some travel questions. So these are your favourite things. So these these will be quite interesting. Hey, yeah, just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. Okay, out of all the countries you travel to, name three countries that you would tell people listening today that they should visit to. Okay, it's Thailand. Yeah. Switzerland. And um, I would say South Africa. Oh, yeah, South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and can you name three countries that you've not traveled to that is on your hit list next? Costa Rica. Yeah. Philippines. Um, where do I want to go? What was on my list? Let me think. You know, I've never actually properly been to Israel and it's another 20 minutes. Oh, just over there. Yeah, I want to go and spend some time in Israel and, and, you know, go to Jerusalem and get the feeling of that. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And if you could live in another country that you've not lived in before, where would you live? Hmm, I don't know. Where would I live? I could live in many, I could live in most countries. There's actually very, very few places that I would say I don't want to live there. 
Um, I'm very happy where I am, though. I, I love living in Cyprus and I, I love my other home, Switzerland. I could live in Italy. Italy? Yes. Very popular answer. Yeah. Okay. And what about a favorite beach that you've been to? I guess the favorite beach would be a, a beach somewhere in Thailand or on Similan Islands. There is an island group. There's Pipi Island and then it's further away, Similan Island. It's just the whitest beach you can imagine. Okay. Yeah. My next question actually was a, a favorite island. A favorite island. Cyprus is my favorite island. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> do you drink coffee? Yes, I do. Okay, two questions. One is one city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by. And number two, which country's coffee is the best? Well, it's both. It's 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 the best coffee is in, it comes, is in Italy. Yeah. And um, sitting in Rome and watching the world go by, right. having an Italian coffee, yes. Very trendy. Yeah. Okay. Can you give me your top three favorite cities? New York, Rome, uh, and Lucerne. Well, Switzerland in general, I'd just love to go. A favorite walk or trek? Well, that's the one that I do for my birthday. It's the one from, uh, from it's called Aphrodite Trail, and it's uh, from the Bath of Aphrodite in Akamas to the Blue Lagoon. Okay, lovely. And what about a favorite party place? Party place, Ayanapa. Ayanapa. <laughs> Some, no, some, pe- some people listen in the UK be laughing right now. <laughs> I'm getting a little too old to party, but I, I, used, to, I used to find Ibiza a very good uh, place to party. Okay. And if you could only have one view for the rest of your life, so that could be the mountains, could be an idyllic island with the sea, could be a city, anywhere, what view would you have? Would be the sea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a favourite landmark can be nature or man-made. Oh, that's so difficult. It's there is so much. Yeah. If I just on top of my head, it would be the Matterhorn, the Swiss Toblerone oh. Mountain. Yeah, Matterhorn. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what about this? Is quite an important question. A country's favorite cuisine. What's your favorite? Italy. <laughs> yeah, such a popular <laughs> answer. I got to say, Italy's not allowed in a minute because people keep saying it. But I get it. It's fine. Huh? What about a favourite high adrenaline activity that you've done on your travels? High adrenaline activity. I've jumped off a few places. What else have <laughs> I? I actually, it's funny enough. I was I was at the at a global woman directors training, and I went. Um, what do you call the thing? Um, parachuting in uh, on 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 the Albanian coast in Duras. That oh. was very beautiful. Yeah, so like a like a skydive. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's my favourite. Love skydiving. Yeah. Okay. And do you have a favorite lake? Lake of Lucerne. Okay. I normally finish with this question with all my guests. So if you had to tell someone right now why they should go travel, what would be your reasons why they should go? Because it opens your horizon. It makes you humble. It makes you understand that, um, you know, that, that there is so much more to us than we think there is that it really, really opens your eyes and makes you a very, very different person. Everybody should travel. If you don't, if you're thinking about going to travel, go, you know, you can always go home. But, and you know, another thing there is at the end of our lives, we're not going to regret what we did, but we're going to regret what we didn't do. Yeah, absolutely. You never regret stuff that you did do, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think people, especially with COVID, I think they're starting to think that maybe mm-hmm. start to reassess what their situation is. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, Elizabeth, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you making time for me and it's been a great chat. Huge pleasure. Thank you so much and have fun traveling. You, James, and everybody else who is listening, have just enjoy traveling and be good to each other. Yeah, love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.